0: the network for the AV industry.
1: What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 This is, is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control.
2: A state of Control. This is a State of Control, episode 14, recorded Tuesday, October 21st, 2014. Who's going to touch it? This is State of Control, your monthly look at control and automation in the world of AV. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host with us as always, Rich Fergoza from Fergozadesign.com. Hello, sir.
0: Morning, morning. Actually, I had a really weird lockup right as we started up, so uh, I guess I've got to do like my quick robot jitter thing it to is, catch up.
2: It is the it is the week for that. It is the month for that. <laughs> it yeah, is
0: I, a week of months. interesting technical anomalies. Indeed. So, celebrating, getting ready. Game one for what?
2: So, what game?
0: Some some odd baseball game. They're having this weird fall baseball game. You, know,
2: <laughs> you see, rainy. see, they stopped they stopped playing baseball in St. Louis thanks to you. I'm just <laughs> point that out there. So.
0: There was many, uh there was there was there was much gnashing and, and wailing and gnashing of teeth from from the sounds of it. From what I heard, some of the reports.
2: Yeah, it was not. Uh, long story short, if, if our if our manager still around, come spring, I'll be I'll be surprised. Although he he does have a contract and silly things like that. So, uh, all right, uh, from the other side of the uh, of the country, Mr. Steve Greenblatt from Control Concepts. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great. How about you?
2: Doing well. Doing well. Uh, it's Funny, I actually, I, my blog this week, I wrote about why we talk about sports so much on our shows. Um, Steve and, and, and Richard are two guys that I still continue to talk about sports with, so um, whether it's the, the Giants football or the Giants baseball, we can talk about both Giants, although Steve probably would rather not talk about the Giants football
1: this yeah, year. Not much to talk about here.
2: No. No. I'll still talk about the Bears. They stink, but I'll talk about them, so... All right, uh, let's talk about some. Some here's the thing this month is going to be kind of interesting with uh, with state of control. Um, uh, as luck would have it, last week I was I was uh, I was uh, uh, very honored to to be invited to uh, to an AVI Systems event, and I got to talk about uh, control and, and automation uh, with some end users and and, and things of that nature, and it was good stuff, good reviews. Um, uh, so much so that I'm still I'm going to do the same thing in in Detroit next month on the 12th of, of November. So, if you're in Detroit, come check that check that out, and you can tell me how bad I suck. So, uh, but it, this this month we're going to talk about some uh, some uh, some things that that Infocom is doing and some other stuff that um, that we're going to we're going to kick around first. First of all, uh, Steve, we'll talk. We'll start with you on this one. Um, Infocom has developed this the idea. Right of the exceptional experience, um, we we've talked about it before. We talked about it at, at Infocom and a couple other places. From our aspect and from the control and automation folks' aspect, how do we do that? How how do we deliver uh, an exceptional experience uh, to the end user? Because honestly, that's who the who the people that are interfacing with the the stuff that we do. Right, um, with whether it's the the touch panel or the, the mobile app or whatever. How do we how do we deliver? Uh, an exceptional experience uh, to the folks using our stuff.
1: Well, I, I think it certainly starts, or or the control system has a big part in it. And uh, it, it you know, the, the, that question, obviously, uh, from from my perspective, uh, it has to depend on who the user is and what their needs are and what what the intention of the space is. It it certainly is subjective, um, but the control system has a large part in it and one one thing that I will say is the if a control system is not done right it can certainly spoil an exceptional experience and and that's something also to think about Um, Mm -hmm. so you could lead with the control system and and make that uh, really guide a user, make them comfortable, make it so that Mm -hmm. they feel that the system is tailored to them Uh, they don't really need to know what goes on behind the scenes, they don't need to know what the, the acoustics of the room are and 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 what some of the physics of, of the the visual angles are but that they do, do need to know about is what they're interacting with and and that typically is the control system whether it's a touch panel or, or even if they're walking into a room and, and the there's uh, the system is automated for them um, it, it so, so the control system has a has a big part in it, but the the answer does depend on who the user is and and what their expectations are, and uh, and and I think that we as control programmers take a lot of pride in trying to provide an exceptional experience.
2: All right, uh, Rich. Then, what um, depending on who the end user are, it, the end user is. See if I can talk this morning. Uh what what goes into this? You know, what goes into delivering this exceptional experience? Is it you know, conversations on the front and back end. I mean what what all goes into this process?
0: Well, I you know, I think that the the first thing, and again, I I, I from the programmer, you know, software engineering development side, you know, it's sometimes heresy when I say this, but make it pretty first. It, it's it's you know, I I, I think that it's um it winds up getting pushed under the rug as oh you know it's it, that that isn't conducive to the user experience or you know it really shouldn't matter what it looks like you know it's got to work first and yes absolutely you know I mean the the underlying the underlying effort is going to be look it's got to work it's got to work uh, it's got to work reliably um, it's got to work quickly um, and you don't want the UI to slow down the process but you know I use the word it's got to be palatable more than anything else you know again if if you go into a restaurant and somebody hands you a delicious meal but it's gray and brown it doesn't matter how delightful it might be once you put it in your mouth but at first glance you're like I'm not so sure about that and especially with control systems is that you know you, you know that with the adage you know you eat with your eyes and I truly believe that and so our approach has always been from the human side you know looking at elements at, and and it comes from research you know who are you dealing with what's the company what are the color palettes that they already have established all the things that are part of the user interface experience completely you know in total holistically dealing with it and, and there I, I had to get a west coast you know I got had to get the holistic thing in there man I you know can't have a show without one uh, <laughs> but you know again it's it's there 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 has to be an and again if you look at companies that are successful in tech you know when they're reaching the end user and keep in mind that that's what we're still dealing with an end user yeah. whether we're in a boardroom in a classroom or in a residence it's still an end user that you're interacting with somebody who may or may not be comfortable with technology and the only comfort level that they have with it is probably the smart device that they're having in their hand or their computer in front of them and they've kind of established the rules so they've been trained a little bit in terms of what to expect and in terms of colors and buttons and and and, and look. Um, I mean, you can l- take a look at, uh, you know, when, when there was a huge uproar and Apple switched over from their skeuomorphic design to now this new flat design. And everybody went, oh, my gosh, you know, we can't believe it. Take a look at every single app that's come out, you know, in the past, what, three months? Notice that they all completely changed their look. Why? Because rather than saying this is how we've always done it and our – you know, our, what we do at the core is great, they changed the skin because they wanted to make it, again, more comfortable. And that's really, I think, the um, kind of a lesson that in our, we really need to look more closely at, which I don't think that we do more often than not, which is look at the user, look at what's around, and then, yes, you're going to tailor it. I mean, a boardroom's different than a classroom, and, you know, a... Uh, outdoor, you know, patio is going to be different than either of those two. But at the end, you're still dealing with individuals who ha- already have a, a perception of how they're dealing with their systems. And so, you know, for me again, I like I said, probably the best approach that we take is we take it completely away. From, you know, everything that's underneath the nuts and bolts. That's that's what we're paid for. You know, that's why we're here. And then focus more on the what are you comfortable with? What have you seen before? What do you like? And 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 it it like you were just saying a little bit earlier when you asked, is it it starts with research. It starts with getting to know the client. And and Steve, I, I know is gonna agree with me on that, is it's interviewing the client. And at that point, once you decide what needs have to be addressed, then it's a matter of tailoring it for them in a way that anybody can walk in and use that or somebody who works at that company is is gonna be comfortable with it
2: all right so let, let's take that a step further um rich does primarily residential and, and and steve is more in the commercial education who are we talking to then i mean uh, steve we'll start with you on this who are we talking to uh as the end user is it uh the purchasing agent is it uh the ceo or is it someone someone in between or is it is it a, a committee as much as i i hate uh i hate suggesting that because sometimes you know, too many the the old saying, too many cooks. But yeah, you know, who who is it that we're talking to?
1: Sure. Well, I'll start off just by saying first uh, there's always this debate as to which one's more complicated, commercial or residential. And and you know, one of the things that I start with is that the big difference is is that commercial you have to cater to the masses. We have to provide a solution that is going to be good for many different types of people that walk into a room and and and, and really follows best practices and guidelines and and ha- you, ha- has uh, a bit of a proven history whereas residential if one person is paying for it that's they get what they want typically I'm sure you know you have to stay. You, we have to guide them properly but but it, it I think the rules are a little different and and um, to, so to answer your question, uh, I, I think that it needs to be a consensus but, but it doesn't really always have to do with what the user is, thinks that they want uh, and, and that's one of the things that I try to, to always discuss. So in, in an ideal situation it would be great to sit at a table with a, a, a representative from a user group and a representative from a technology manager group from an institution and be able to present with them what we think is a, a good solution and usually we start with that as a basis and then we work forward and and we and and I think one of the angles that we have to take is this is what we have done in the past that has been successful and I think that that usually is a good starting point for them because a lot of times their experiences are going to be a lot more limited to, than what what we uh, encounter, and uh, to to follow along, and, and and just deliver what the user is asking for is not always what's best for them. Well,
2: that, that's true. And the one thing I'll say about what's more complicated, what's what's harder, I've seen Rich Faggoza's programs. Uh, I'll program a boardroom any day <laughs> before I do oh, a resident. Too. Oh, me good too. Good without a doubt. Yeah, that that's the that's the difficult part is is the back end. So. Uh, all right, Rich. Uh, with the exception of you know the obvious answer of the homeowner, who are you talking to uh, when it comes to you know the interface?
0: Um, homeowners obviously definitely part, but we we like to interact with the design team whenever possible because um, again it's and and this and again I I mean I I'm finding you know the the we do also do commercial and primarily we're like executive boardroom or we wind up being in you know not necessarily kind of the for the masses rooms so we wind up being working from a residential side into a commercial application. But um, we found the similarities in that it's, it's you know, obviously, you know, the first thing is who's going to touch it? And then the second thing is are we in balance with everything else? Um, in residential, you're dealing with uh, potentially an interior designer. You're, you're dealing with potentially the architect, any variety of members of the design team. And so like anything else, I mean, they they – they painstakingly work towards making all of these elements come together. We try to bring that that same unity in terms of our, our layouts. And in commercial, we just call it branding. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, when we're working for a company, they spend a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time with their marketing message and who they are as a company, down to the font that they mm. use. You know, again. And if you think about it, again, these are these are things that these are the details in terms of if you have, and again, as the touch panel, and you walk into an executive boardroom, and there's 24 seats on this $100,000 custom-built conference table that they've made, you know, and they've made this the ultimate home court advantage. You're the forward-facing part of that entire system. So that next part becomes: how are we bringing that brand and the message across as well? And and so. That's where we took our residential bent and looked at it from the commercial standpoint, which is how are you spreading your message, every single thing that you touch. And, and so it allows for different inroads. And, and, and again, commercial is different because you've got a whole lot of people who are writing the spec. You, know, you, you may just be looking and, and filling a specification, so things are a whole lot more defined, and you can't necessarily color outside the lines. You know, Resi is always much more you know, jazz-based. You know? I mean, we're going to riff and, and kind of go with it. Um, but, but yeah you know I mean with, with resi I mean you ultimately you've got somebody who's signing the check yeah. somebody who's gonna live there and so you're dealing with matters of personality style and taste and then you're bringing you're bridging everything together which is a matter of um, you know the overall look and feel of the house I mean if somebody you can tell has a very traditional interior and muted colors we well, don't give them fuchsia green and blue and pink you know even though that worked for the last one or or uh, you know it it it, it it wound through, but you also have to look and say, okay, wow, you know, this client happens to be in their 60s or 70s, you know, or older, and they may be colorblind, or you know, they may have issues with reading, like myself. You know, I'm at that point where I'm like in between, you know, the focal point of my glasses. That is now, in and, and I never thought to ask this 20 years ago when I was starting out, but one of the first questions, that, a couple of the first questions that I ask people now when I start out is, do you wear glasses? And are you left-handed or right-handed? Because that will determine just your muscle memory and how, you know, right-handed how you approach something. Because uh, I'm left-handed. So I'm constantly having to do things in reverse, I find. you know, So I have to switch things around. But I found that with a touch panel, again, it's on a wall. It's it's kind of like reading the book. You can't bring the wall closer to you. So we've discovered that, yeah, we actually have to take some of those things into account. Do we make it larger? Do we make it smaller? Do we increase the contrast? Do we mute it? How How do all of these elements come together? And more than anything else, that's what we've found is that is the expertise that you know your company and Steve's company as my company do is that we're you know we're developers at this point you know it's not we're not configurating something the white the green or the red you know pick off the Chinese menu and and so um, I think that's where that element comes from and the experience comes through companies who are experienced have, have thought about that and they've thought about asking those questions before the project starts, before the contract is negotiated, before all of those things. Because the, you know, the, the, the running line we've always had with clients is, look, my job is to ask you the questions you do not know to ask. It's just that simple. Yeah. You, know, it's, yeah, don't you don't know, know what you don't know right now. My yeah. job is to guide you through that and to ask you these questions. Have you thought about this? And then at that point, once we educate you, you can either say, yeah, no, I'm not sure. Well, w- Within that framework, you're golden. And that applies to any of the industries out there. Is that coming in as an expert and being allowed to be an expert, and that sometimes in <laughs> in the commercial arena, being allowed to is sometimes the hardest part. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we we tend to push forward, which is you know you have someone who is a an expert in the design elements and how to bring a home together. We are your technology expert. That's what we do. We advise on all the technology matters. And that comes down to asking the questions. So, you know, it's, 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 it's 101 in terms of, you know, just how to deliver any product. But I think that sometimes our industry, we get away from that. We, we forget the basics of um, interaction, you know, and, and, and delivering on that side.
1: Yeah. In in this, as you're talking about a lot of the aesthetics of it, do you also see the flow of the the panels change a lot, and and how how much of of that is an impact? Because say that that's one of the things that I think is the important part. We could always put a new skin on it on the commercial side. It's the flow that that we look at as as being a critical part of it.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, it, it and again, that comes down to. The room itself, but but that even comes down to you to, to the to the UI and the form factor that you're using. Um, you know, common areas are going to have a different size necessarily than a master bath. Well, that's no different than when you're in the conference room itself at the table, as opposed to an ante room off to the side, or something that if you got a um, a large meeting area. You know, and you've got a projector and you may need something for the technician in the back of the room as opposed to what you need up front for the presenter. So, you know, it, it's, it's always, um, you know, a needs-based solution at that point. And I think that not only the skinning but the size of the form factor, um, the, the comfort of it, um, you know, and when you enter a room. Well, you know, sometimes the first thing that you got to do when you enter a room is you got to turn on the lights. You know, forget the audio, forget the projector, forget the video conferencing. you got to be able to see the thing first. You know, and those are like what you were talking about, Steve, is absolutely is the flow, which is, you know, how is the space used? And then you work backwards from that. Um, and sometimes, you know, you don't know how the space is used. And 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 again, that's where really the response is, is that that's where experience comes in. Uh, we've done X amount of projects of this type. And 80% of them we found that people are more this way. 15% this way, and then there's this 5% that use it this way. You don't know what you are yet. We're going to go ahead and provide a framework to, to allow you to be any of these. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, it's it's still sales. It's a relational approach. And, sure. you know, I, I, I say the dreaded S word, but it really is. I mean, if you are going to be a good programming house, whatever that means to you, the sales component is really the relationship component and you need to be able to sell through the relationship to be able to get them what they want because that's the only way where you're going to earn the trust. You may be the most phenomenal coder on the planet, but if you can't engender trust, you know, air quotes, um, you're likely not going to succeed because they're never going to feel comfortable telling you what it is that they don't want. Um, and then they just kind of figure, okay, this is what that they're giving me. That's how it is. Because a lot of times with technology, that's what they're used to. They just have to kind of work with what they're given. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think exactly what I was saying is that flow, flow is an important part. And, and again, but that stems from the underlying part, which is then the foundation, which is you've built a relationship. You feel comfortable enough being able to say, let's talk about how this is used before you even talk about the first button that goes on there.
2: Uh, Rich, you said something uh, interesting that kind of leads into one of our other topics here is, is being allowed to be the expert. Um, Steve, how do, we, how do we get the industry and, and even other industries to accept the fact that uh, or at least our view that quality control um, in programming is essential? Uh, whether that's you know agreeing to this on the front end and like like Rich said, having that conversation and understanding the use case before we ever put a button on all the way down to punch listing and agreeing on on a scope of work, how do we get the industry to understand that that this is an important part of of doing an exceptional experience?
1: sure it's a, it's been a a career long battle. I'll tell you that mm-hmm. and and I think that we're always educating uh, uh, and I think a lot of we, we've been helping ourselves quite a bit through podcasts through content development and so forth and trying to, to, to educate. And I think that that's the big, um, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into programming a system that has nothing to do with writing code. Um, every, everything from being able to, to prove out that a design is gonna work to identifying that the right equipment is chosen for the application and that it can do what is intended. And, and I think we all have some type of a, a an approach to doing some submittals, whether it's just sending screen captures or doing a demo or or putting together a a a, a document that explains how the system is going to work. I think we we all must take that upon ourselves to do, and and some pro- projects require it, but it, it's certainly a, a number one best practice because you need something to fall back on to be able to say that this is what we said we were going to do and. This is hopefully what we delivered upon, um, but it, it you know in terms of, of getting uh, people get getting the audience and getting the the users or the or the consumers to understand uh, the expertise that we have, I, I think that we we'll look at ourselves and we we need to, to get out and, and be a part of the industry and be be within the community, uh, working. Up the ladder, talking to consultants and, and building direct relationships with with technology managers, and and on uh, on a residential side, I'm, I'm sure that that is with interior designers and architects and so forth, so that you become part of their design team. You become a resource to them, so that when they have a client, they they view you as their subject matter expert who can come in and and help bring a, something to the table that that is. Not as much of a strength on their part and and uh, you know so, so that that's the approach I that, that I'm advising or that that we've been practicing.
2: Uh, Rich, Steve mentioned the the best practices and stuff when it comes to, to programming and, and uh, whether it's from the touch panel angle or the the, the back end with with the code. what are Brecht's practices? Um, unfortunately, there's not uh, at least not that, not that I'm aware of, you know one big giant book that says, you know, do this. Um, in sound, there's the Yamaha Guide to to mixing, right? Um, uh, for electrical engineering, there are a d- m- bunch of different uh, books that we can we can point to. There's not one great big book that says these are best practices. It it d- depends on on who teaches you, right? Who who is your mentor for this? So, from your aspect, what what should be you know every every programming house and every programmer's you know list of things that they need to do with every system?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean. It- and you remember Steve is that made a push, was it six years ago, maybe? Maybe a little bit more now, where, you know, the, the the whole the dashboard concept. And they were they were definitely focusing on trying to say, look, let's 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 use the industry knowledge that we have to create some best practices in terms of layouts and where buttons should go and, and you know how user operation and flow and these are the things that should be expected. Um you know the the issue we have i mean again look 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 right now at and and not going to point anybody out but let's look at several of the automation companies that are out there that are putting their new configurable solutions right they all have different approaches on how they're doing it every single one of them if you look at company a company b company c if you look at their dashboards and how they've decided to present the information from you it's a little different each one in terms of how they lay everything out, the information is still all the same. You've still got music, TV, climate, lights, cameras. But if you look at how they all approach it, they all said, well, we're going to do it our way. <laughs> you know, in the industry right now, that's what we're seeing is that like with, with the hardware manufacturers, you know, they, they all could have kind of decided on some form of format to how their AV receivers would look. But yet, every single manufacturer said, "Well, that's our secret sauce. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us better. That's what allows us to do X, y and Z." Um, I think that from a programming standpoint, um, you know, they're, they're, the, the, the one universal rule that we have with any project that we do is, this needs to be written so that I can come back 10 years later. And know exactly what's going on, and a lot of times.
2: Okay. All right, I'm going to stop you with that because you said that to me more than once. Uh, as you have been one of my mentors, you and Steve both. How the heck do you do that? I'm sorry, but there are some programs that I've written three or four years ago, and granted, this is before I started listening to you. Uh, but I have no freaking clue. I have to get out the drawings and stuff. How do you do that? How do you make sure that you can read your own, you know, your own, your own programming?
1: several years later it takes a while to develop a style but yeah
0: i mean computer science 101 i mean that Uh... that one is that the you know you got to be able to read what you wrote and you got to be willing that somebody can step in and read what you wrote um it's who yeah i mean there's almost a show yeah there's almost a show over that (laughs) i mean i i i I absolutely i state with 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 uh, all the conviction is that I, I am a complete dictator when it comes to that. it It is because again, I've had to come back now on some projects close to twenty years after I wrote the original code. and if forty four year old Rich could travel back in time to you know, see twenty four year old rich, I'd start slapping myself around the head for the <laughs> lessons that I wasn't following then. Um, you know, and again, especially with as an example and and you know, we offer, you know, And we put the pressure on ourselves uh, on this yeah. one because we offer what we call a, a conditional lifetime warranty on all our programming. It's like, look, if I broke something and it, I, I don't find out about it until five years after, I'm going to go back and fix it because I broke it. It was, yeah. it was never right to begin with in the first place. So we wind up putting the pressure on ourselves to say, well, we've got to make it right the first time, and we need to be able to cover it. And every single uh, you know, programming suite that we have out there has the ability to annotate your project inside the project itself it just takes time and, and it takes a matter of going to do instructions together and, and, and again it's, it's, it winds up being also a company best practice thing I think that what you do for a one or two man shop is completely different than for a 20 man shop um, you have to have the ability to put the, the documents together to scale I mean the, the good news honestly is that there's lots of software development tools out there that do it for you automatically I mean just revision software you know, software versioning um, allows you to do a lot of that these days. And these were tools that we didn't necessarily have a lot of years ago. But we borrow a lot from the existing tech industry that's out there. I, I mean, we've gotten to the point where I'm really tired of reinventing the wheel just because we're in the AV industry and not the IT industry or the tech industry. And and so it's a matter of saying, look, they're doing it right. I mean, we're a decimal point correction in the greater tech sector. Yeah. So, if they're doing it better, let's find ways that we can adapt what they do to our market instead of constantly you know, readjusting it and readjusting it and readjusting it and, and kind of baking the cake from scratch every single time. Um, but, but in terms of best practices, I mean, obviously, document everything. Keep it together. Keep it in a place that you can actually just hand over the package. Um, and, uh, you know, every time you think that, oh, in a rush to get something done – you know, we'll get back to that later. Stop and do it now. <laughs> um, that's, that's the biggest one that we've come across because it's always bitten us in the end. It's like, oh, you know, we're fresh. We're on deadline. We've got all these things to go. Ah, we'll get back to it. You never do. Yeah. And at that point, you wind up creating – you know, and again, if, if you're a third-party programming house, your money is made on delivering product, software and then getting on to the next one and getting paid and getting, getting on to the next one. You start building enough time bombs for yourself over time where you poorly document, you know, you don't annotate your code correctly, you kind of do weird one-offs just for the heck of it. Um, your profitability on a project, because again, and, and again, one of the lessons I, I think I, I, I always kind of talk about this one is that your profitability on a job isn't the moment you get paid. It's over the life of the project. How many times do you have to go back? Because every single time you're going back, you are just hemorrhaging drop by drop. That bit of profitability keeps your company going. And as you do it longer and longer, you have more projects in the pipeline. All of them are dripping all over the place. Um, you know, sooner or later, it, it can get overwhelming to you. So you know, we we stress, you know, just just focus on doing it right. It's not always easy, but take the time to do it.
2: Okay. All right, uh, we're going to wrap up the the, the show um, with uh, this other little piece of of hot news and and stuff. Uh, At Cedia 2014, all three of us uh, were in attendance there, Crestron unveiled what Ping is, P-Y-N-G. It is a configuration uh, piece uh, from them. It's a a piece of Ping hardware uh, that interacts with with an app that you get either on uh, an iPhone or a... Uh, an iPad. I believe that's I don't think they have an Android app yet, do they? Not yet. They'll okay. they they will be coming out. Yeah. Uh, they're
0: just focusing on this
2: right now. But it's configuration, right? It's it's an all in one configuration piece. And some of the consternation that, that came out of that was it's the end of programmers as we know it. The end is nigh. Hang up your hats and go do something else, you know, become an accountant or something, you programmers. Uh, so since us three are programmers, Steve, we'll kick this off with you. How much truth is that? I mean, uh, is, is it, is it the end of programmers as we know it? Uh, or is this just another piece that, that Crestron has released that, that makes it easier for some folks to do certain types of projects?
1: I, uh, I, I mean, I, the, I can't, definitely can't take the sky is falling, uh, approach uh, in a programmers are going to be around for a while. Uh, you know, and, and I think that the, the proof in that is that we, of all the things that I said earlier the what what expertise we bring to the table and and I think the most important part of that is is being the one who kind of knows how everything goes together and and how and and how to find why something doesn't work and that's that's what we see a lot we're relied upon quite a bit for just plain troubleshooting and knowing knowing the equipment and knowing devices and and there's there's more devices that are made by control manufacturers that aren't even control pieces so yeah. uh, all of those tend to, to fall uh, under our umbrella but um, it, the the you know the the uh, impact of ping is uh, I think a good one in, on some levels I mean it's making easier stuff easy and, uh, and and that's not stuff as independent programmers that we we've really encounter very often we I think uh, for my experience has been that we focus more on the medium and large size projects, the more complex systems, and and hopefully what this is doing is is making it so that the the novice programmers need to kind of raise their game because they're not going to be working on on easier systems. Um, but I w- I wrote an article uh, about it. One thing that I, I did like about Ping is the ability. For the user to make easy little changes there on the on their own, and that's something that we're starting to build into some commercial systems by coding it in uh, and and on a tech page and so forth. Being able to label your own buttons and being able to show and hide things, and and those are things that I think are some value adds that that uh, Ping kind of brings to light. And and uh, the for for us, um, one of the bigger complaints that that Happens a lot is why do I have to pay a programmer to make this easy change? So so that's kind of been the answer to that. And and uh, and you know what? It, it it's a win win because it it you know it looks good. We provided extra value. It could be a selling point. And and we really don't want to be doing those easy changes either because honestly they take a lot of time. Anytime you have to go in and change and recompile and load and all that stuff, it takes a lot of time. And there's no no two ways about it. No, that's true. Uh all right, you Fergozio.'ll have the last word uh is ping the end of
2: of programming as we know it?
0: No, not yet
2: not oh jeez, why not yet
0: <laughs> um, and I, it, was, it was interesting. we had a conversation a little while ago. there was an article written in uh uh one of the industry magazines kind of about this you know it's it's you know kind of this guy's falling I was quoted in it, and I know it caused a little bit of consternation in the community um over I it. Know what
1: you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I think what it does is that more than anything else, it is going to force companies to more accurately describe themselves. Okay. Um, programming, what a lot of these systems were, like ping and, and all of these, is you're right. It's not programming. It's configuration. Yeah. It's designed for that. For configurable solutions. Any of the other companies. I mean, again, Control4 launched uh, Composer Express, and yeah. savant has got their other version, and you've got Bitwise Controls and URC. I mean, you got got uh, you know dozens and dozens, and that's not even counting Revolve and and all of these other Kickstarter versions of you know configurable solutions that are out there. Um, what it, it's going to do is it's going to cause companies, I think, to to better establish their identities as to what they what and who they really are. Um, Programming as we've known it and as we've defined it um, will come under a different change. I think that you know programming may wind up being you know yeah it's kind of configuring and putting some stuff together and making sure that that turns on and off something that a a a junior tech you know or or you know or a novice like Steve was saying can come in and again kind of get it done. I think what will happen is is that we will see that companies who are third party companies again who kind of we're talking to right now. Um, are going to have to make the decision on are Are you going to try to make a living on configuring? Or are you going to try and become a true software developer? Are you going to start developing solutions that are unique that set you apart and add value to the process itself? Um, because again, you know, I mean, in, in Resi, it's it's great because it does it takes a lot of the the headache out of just little things like. <clears throat> Oh, gosh, you know, I wanted the dining room sconce at 24% instead of 29%. You know, you, know, you don't need to call me for that. I, You know, it just – it doesn't it, – it, it takes away time that I could be spending and budget that I could be using towards something far more special, far more useful, far more tailored for the the situation. And so, you know, what it's going to do is it, there's there's going to be a larger chasm between the two is that you have the entry side of, of the configurable stuff, and then you're going to have TrueSoft on the other side and established companies who, who are saying, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're going to differentiate ourselves, and we're going to focus on providing unique and useful solutions and focusing all of our resources on that and, and marketing ourselves as such. And right now, we all kind of fall into this gray area of programming. So yeah, I, I, would be, I would be happy to see the term go away. Because it really doesn't explain who we are, and Steve's written on it several times. We do so much more than just sit at a laptop and, and type commands. I mean, that's that's just that's just one of the tools in our tool belt. You know, there's there's so much more, and and I think it's a necessary shakeup. Because again, I've said it over and over, our industry as a whole has you know an identity crisis, and I think from the programming community, there's almost this self-loathing that comes at times because they're like, I don't want to just be the programmer. Okay, well then set yourself apart show why you're not
2: yeah absolutely that's my take. all right that's the that, you know what and that that's a good way to end it so uh that's going to do it uh for this this edition of state of control with us has been steve greenblatt uh chief everything at controls concepts thank you sir thank you and how thank can you. people get a hold of you or control concepts
1: uh, our website is controlconcepts.net uh, it can be reached in social media at, at Steve Greenblatt on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus so forth and uh, also do a little bit of writing uh, for commercial integrator so uh, check out a piece that got published today actually
2: very cool, uh, what was it on? Uh, programming of
1: course <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the evolving role of the programmer actually Oh, very cool
2: uh, also, with us is uh, Rich Fergosa, designcom Where can people find you, sir?
0: Uh, you can find me on the interwebs at designcom on uh, Twitter at R Fergosa. You can see me occasionally on CEPro.com. Um, and obviously today on R- Uncle Richie's Fireside Chat. See, as <laughs> I monopolized most of the screen time. <laughs> uh. Um but uh, yeah, a little couple of different places and always, always happy to be here. And I, I guess uh, potentially um, be part of the AV Nation uh, broadcast this week again.
2: We'll yes. See. Yeah, I have to wear a, a San Francisco Giants hat this Friday. So, yeah.
0: An honorable man. Hey, he's, yeah. he's well, honorable you know man. what?
2: I, uh, I, I own up to my bets in, in a case of... I think I'm gonna do Slaafley's. Actually, Slaafley's is, is a pretty good uh, microbrewery here in St. Louis. So you'll look.
0: My my wife says you you will look
2: fantastic in black and white. <laughs> <eye. laughs> my wife does not. Just for the record. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, it is, uh, Halloween, so. yeah, it is well, Halloween. It is. Halloween. Yeah, yes, it is Halloween. It yeah, it is Halloween. So, um, I actually get to my son and I have the last few years have have teamed up and whatever he is, I'll do with the the a, a some uh, a. Co- complimentary uh, character. Last year he was Darth Vader, so I was Obi Wan Kenobi, and this year he wants to be a zombie, so I guess I'll be a zombie as well. So, with or a, you
0: can be or you can so. be the the brains that are eaten. So there we the go. Victim. Yeah,
2: or we could do the whole uh, the whole uh, Walking Dead thing. I could be a sheriff with the with the gun or something. So that work. We'll see. We got a week and a half. Uh, all right. Uh, don't follow me. Go by the website if you would, please. Holy cow, do we have a lot of folks there now uh, with the Red Band Collective and. Uh, we actually have a comic strip now uh again not me really cool guys so yeah holy cow this this is this is turning out into something uh something halfway cool uh avnation.tv avnation.tv this program and a host of others uh we have two brand spanking new shows that that debut this week uh tony zotti's doing one over uh, about uh, av networking uh called poe uh and uh Our old buddy uh, Phil Cordell has his own show uh, debuting this week. So check it out, avianation.tv, avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been A State of Control.